0: Well, good morning. I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, we have been in a series that uh, we have in, entitled uh, Get Your Shape On. And uh, we've been in this, we are come to the conclusion of it, week five. And uh, we have been talking about serving. And one of the themes that we've been talking about is serving together. And I want to make sure that you understand that uh, our spiritual growth is connected To our service. And I hope that you've heard that over these past few weeks. um, That uh, as we began, we talked about the fact that we've got to focus on our spiritual growth and we also have to focus on serving uh, the body of Christ and serving our community. And those two things brought together can really exponentially ignite our spiritual growth and uh, who we are, who we see ourselves, and who we are in Christ. And uh, I tell you what, it can be a real powerful thing when you think about doing community and doing spiritual growth. With other Christ followers. We just were not meant to live this life alone. And so that's kind of been a theme that we've had all through this series and get your shape on is that we were meant to do this thing together. I'm glad you're here this morning. For those of you uh, from out of town or those of you I don't know, uh, my name's Todd, I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, yeah, welcome to the rainforest with a beach. So uh, it's been just incredibly nice weather lately, and uh, we're glad that you're here to join us in this. But uh, I'm uh, really excited about today as we draw a conclusion on this series and as we focus on what really God's Word says about you and I being involved in action. A few years ago when we were living in New York City, Cynthia and I moved to New York City Uh, at the time Uh, Sydney, who's now 11 years old, was uh, just uh, 15 months old, and we moved up there to help plant a church, help start a church, and that church is still going to this day. The name of it is the Gallery Church. It's doing really great. Uh, but uh, we were up there for about a year and a half, two years. We were kind of involved in the project for about two years. And while I was there, I I did some seminary work. And um, the story of my seminary work is a lifetime story. So, uh, And it continues to go on to this day. Uh, But uh, I started up there at Southern Seminary, believe it or not, in New York City. Makes a whole lot of sense, doesn't it? Uh, The Southern Seminary uh, had a campus that they had that was six blocks from, from our apartment. And so I would walk and meet some friends on Friday night and we'd go and we'd go to class on Friday night and Saturday. And the Southern Seminary out of Louisville, Kentucky, uh, their president is a guy by the name of Al Moeller. And uh, Albert Moeller has uh, all during his life, even as like a young Christian wanted to be the president of a seminary. Can you imagine like when you're a kid, like growing up and like people ask you, what do you want to do with your life? And, you know, most people, most boys like say, I want to be a policeman or a fire, you know, fireman. And he's like, I want to be the president of, a, of Southern Seminary. Uh, so anyway, but Al is a fantastic theologian. He was a great pastor and is uh, doing a great job. But he joined the staff as a the president there in 1983 and Southern Seminary had been known during that period of time for straying away from the truth of God's word. Um, they had become a, an institution that really strayed from the Bible. And uh, they got caught up in uh, theology and doctrine. That's what we believe that really wasn't, uh, really wasn't biblical a- at all. And, and Al knew this. Dr. Moeller knew this. And so he went up and in his first uh, time that he got to address the student body and faculty and staff, he preached a message and he said, "Just stand there." That was the title of his message, and that was the point of his message: "Just stand there." And, and his whole point was that, like, it's time for this institution to get its roots developed and, and established firm in the gospel, in the message of. The Bible, because they had strayed from that. And so he spent the next 10 years of his career as the president of Southern Seminary making sure that this institution uh, had solidified the fact that their beliefs reflected the Bible. And it took him a long time, and it was hard, and it was an arduous process, and a bunch of people left because they didn't agree with him, and they went on to other places, and he had to build this organization, this institute, this seminary back, and he did, over a period of time, build it back. In fact, so much so, they got so firm in their commitment to Scripture that 10 years exactly from that date, in 1993, he preached another message 10 years later, and his message that day was not just stand there. His message was, do something. And his whole point was, is now that we have our beliefs down, now that we have our doctrine down, now that we have our theology lining up with the gospel, it's time for us as a seminary to get busy in the work of Jesus Christ and doing the work of Jesus Christ. And if there was any similarity between myself and Dr. Mueller. There's none whatsoever, I promise you, in any ways. A brilliant, incredibly smart, intelligent, well-educated person, and I'm hardly any of those things. And so, uh, But if there was anything, it's this. I believe that you do first have to have a basis for what you believe and your beliefs that comes from God's Word, And as we just sung a few minutes ago in the Creed song, we do have that as the foundation of our beliefs as a church. Some of you who may be new to our church or you may not know, you can go online. Our statement of faith is right there. It is all rooted and grounded in God's word. And we, we know what we believe. We have gone through a period of time in the life of our church over these last really eight years establishing ourselves. that we just stood there. We stood there and we got our belief system in order. But I got to tell you, um, it is time for you and I as a church, it's time for us to do something. I really believe that. It's time for us to really take our community for Christ. It's time for you and I to take our shape and get busy and get to action with what God has called us to do as a church. Over these past few weeks, um, we have uh, talked about the fact that we have to grow and we have to serve at the same time. If all you do is serve, you're going to die in the vine. You're going to get exhausted. You're going to get burned out. If all you do is grow, you're going to turn into a Christian um, who just takes and takes and takes and takes and does nothing to give that back. It's a both-and thing. Um, we talked about the fact that it's our job to use our shape. I'll define that in a minute. I'll give you the uh, an acronym for that, um, the acrostic for that in a minute, but um, it's... Uh, it really means that we serve the church, we serve for the glory of God, and we serve our community with how we're shaped, how we're uniquely made. Then we talked about the fact that we're part of a larger team, just like you saw in the video, that we have to work really not as a silo, not like alone, but we have to work with each other. And even with other churches, can you imagine that? But anyway, uh, like you know, that's what God has called the body of Christ to, to work together. And then last week we talked about how important it is to exercise our shape in the environment of a life group community or a Bible study. And so uh, you, many of you have had the opportunity to sign up for our life groups and our Bible studies. You'll have that opportunity today as we have our Shape Showcase going on. As soon as um, I'm done talking in a little while, maybe an hour or so, um, back behind us, I'm just kidding, um, back behind us in uh, backstage, we have it all set up, and you can sign up for life groups and you can find uh, a place where you can serve. Uh, but Shape stands for this. It's really a great way to remember that God has gifted each one of us. With a unique gifting, it stands for spiritual gifts, uh, which all of you who are here today and your Christ followers, the, the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about this next week. The Holy Spirit indwelled you at the moment of salvation and gave you spiritual gifts to be used for for Him and expanding God's kingdom. Heart or passion—that's um, something that maybe you're passionate about, a people or a, uh, a cause, or perhaps. Uh, you know, a, a thing that you are passionate about. Uh, a is abilities. Those are talents. You know, you saw up here, man, we have such a great, great group of musicians, don't we, in, in our church. I mean, they're incredible. And, and vocalists, and they use their abilities, uh, you know, uh, to benefit the body of Christ. P stands for personality or personal style. And we all have different personality and personal style. And the E stands for experience. And so God has given each one of you a unique, shape that is unique to you, and over these past few weeks, you've been discovering that. Um, I mentioned last week that I was such an inspirational, motivational communicator that five of you took the shape assessment from the week before. That was really encouraging to me. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, but actually, it was really great because um, we've had about 30 that have been taken uh, since then. So that's really good. So thank you for making me feel good anyway. And uh, I want to encourage you to go online and take that. It's hiltonheadislandcc.org uh, slash shape, and you can take that assessment. Uh, I, I, somebody gave me a hard time because I said it took 15 minutes. doesn't exactly take 15 minutes, but it doesn't take long, and I'll just put it that way, okay? So I want to encourage you. Wherever you are in your faith walk, um, take that because that really helps us. And we've begun to follow up with you on the interview process to talk with you about what your shape means and how you can plug in here in the life of this church. Now, I want to talk for a moment about what I see for the future in the life of of our church. There's kind of an underlying Foundational principle that exists in church work. In fact, it exists in business and economics and um, in theory, uh, educational theory, and that kind of thing. Some of you know it. It's called Preto, the Preto Principle. I talk about it a lot. A lot of pastors will talk about the Preto Principle. And the Preto Principle is this that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 20% in our you know, environment here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, 20% of the people are are involved in 80% of the growth in terms of even your own spiritual growth. Like there's 20% of you that are involved in growth communities and you're growing. And then 20% of you give 80% of the financial resources that are needed uh, to see the ministry happen here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. My vision as a church is that we reverse that. That, that we, we stop talking about, for, forget the output, but the input. We, that we stop talking about only 20% of people being involved in the work of the ministry here at our church. I, I don't know about you, but I, I think it needs to be just the opposite, don't you? Like, I think it needs to be 80% of us. I'm including myself and my family, who are involved in ministry, who are involved in growth communities, who are involved in giving back to God. Can you imagine what God could accomplish in and through us as a church if we reverse that? Just that front part, just that first part. If we said one day, if we got to the point where one day 80% of our church was involved in serving, we were involved in, in growing, and we were involved in giving, what would happen in the life of this church? God would use us in ways that are unimaginable right now. But I'm not putting it past him to reverse that trend. I'm not putting it past us. To jump into action and get involved in the life of this church and this community and become passionate about seeing this community that is so unchurched come to Christ. I see us doing that and I believe it can happen, but it means that you and I have got to get off the starting line. You know, we give you the shape assessment and we give you all these tools and we'll have interviews and we'll talk to you and if you, like, go through this whole process, and you do nothing Then really, like, I've wasted my time. You've wasted your time. And the body of Christ is hurt because of that. And so at some point in time, you and I have to move from, like, paralysis by analysis to a point of action. To a point of saying, I'm going to be involved in the life of this church. If you have your Bibles, turn to James 1. We're going to be in James 1 and 2 in a couple different passages. There are a couple different verses there as James, I believe, talks about this. And uh, if you don't have your Bibles, the words will be on the screen so you can take a look at that. James, the book of James, I love it. Sometimes it's called the Proverbs of the New Testament. And it really reminds faithful Christ followers how to live. In fact, Often, if I engage with a, a new Christ follower, uh, I'll tell them to go to James and read the book of James because it's a very practical, easy, relatively easy book to read. Uh, I will tell you, it's in your face, though. It's, it's pretty tough. It can be tough, but, man, it's very practical. It's something that you can put to use right away. And so this book is written really uh, was one of the first books that was written among the New Testament books and, and James is writing the book to call us to a place of action. He calls us to a place of action. And, and some theologians, some uh, Christ followers, some pastors have wrongly equated the fact that James is talking about faith without works to mean that if you don't see works, that that person doesn't have faith. And I want to make sure that that's clearly understood because that is incorrect theology. Some people will take the passages that we're looking at today and say, if you, if you don't have any good deeds, if you don't have any good works, then you're not saved in the first place. And let me just, right before we dive in, tell you that that is an incorrect application and incorrect interpretation of the book of James. James is speaking of what you and I do with our faith while we're here on earth. Does that make sense? Like he's talking about what you and I should be doing with what God has given us in our faith walk while we're here on earth. Whether God gives us you know, another year or another, you know, 20 years or another 80 years here on earth, James is talking about what we should do while we are here. And I believe that there are three things we're going to kind of point out today that James talks about. The first one is that um, we shouldn't just hear, but we should also do. Take a look at James 1. I'll I'll repeat that again in a moment. Um, We shouldn't just hear, but we should also do. Take a look at James 1, and we're going to look at 19 through 27. I'm reading this whole part because I think it will give us a little bit of context Uh, Even though I'm not going to focus on on parts of this, I'm just going to drill down in verses 22 uh, through 25. He says this, know this, my beloved brothers, Uh, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, therefore put away all filthiness and, and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Okay. So he is essentially establishing a few things there. I'm not going to go into detail about that because I want to focus on the next three verses. But essentially what he is saying is what I just said is that what, what I'm about ready to say to the audience, to the reader, to the listener um, is that uh, this is not equating with salvation. So let's take a look at verses 22. He says this, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Sounds like all of us men, right? Yeah. Verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law and the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who who acts, he will be, what's that next word? Blessed. Blessed in his doing. He will be blessed in his doing. And then he says, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, the person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I want to focus on those verses 22, 23, 24, and 25. He says, be doers of the word, not just hearers. I I know that you've probably done this before. Like someone's talking to you and you're you're listening to them and you're taking it in. And then all of a sudden what came in um, doesn't settle in. And because it doesn't settle in, um, there's no action. For instance, this happened to me the other day. Cynthia called me. I was here at the office. She said, hey, can you bring my computer home? I heard her. Because I listened to every word she says, and I heard her audibly, like it went into my ears. And I even processed it with my brain and made a note, bring the computer home when I'm done in a few hours. But I forgot. I forgot. Guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? Men, husbands, you guys know what I'm talking about. See, I was a hearer, but I wasn't a doer. Of what she asked me to do. The the Bible is clear. Christ follower, person who's um, at Hilton Head Island Community Church, and you're a part, you're a member, or you're a regular attender, you're a part of what we do here. Listen, the Bible, the New Testament is full of instruction for us to serve each other and to serve others. Are you with me? Like, it's just full of it, uh, full of these instructions to, to do these things. And essentially what he's saying is, don't just be filled up with hearing, actually take action. Don't just hear, do. What he's saying is, is that your faith while here on earth, it's, it's, it's not good enough from the standpoint of it's not acceptable for us just to take it all in and just to hear and hear and hear and hear and take it all in and, and listen and listen and listen and, and just let it sink in our heads and we forget about it we do nothing with it. It's really just not acceptable for, for Christians to do that. It's not acceptable for a committed Christian to do that. And so what he is saying essentially is that you and I shouldn't just hear, we should do. That's the first point in your notes this morning. Don't just hear But do. But the second thing that I think James is talking about here is because he was talking to a church that was beginning to be persecuted, and within 10 to 15 years of this writing, they were really persecuted, and it started a whole history of persecution. He was encouraging them to move from a place of apathy to action. He was encouraging this. This new church in Jerusalem to move to action and inspired by God's Holy Spirit, he penned these words, he wrote these words that moves us to a place of action that makes our faith come alive. It it moves us from a place of not really caring. Hey, I got my insurance. I'm going to heaven. I know Jesus as my Savior. I believe. I'm good. To a place where we work that out and we use it to influence someone else. There's an old story. I read it years ago. Uh, His name's Sam Jones. This guy named Sam Jones was a preacher. He uh, held revival services, and he called them quitting meetings. This was a long time ago. You don't hear much about revival services anymore, do you? And you certainly wouldn't call it a quitting meeting today. But his preaching was directed primarily to Christians and uh, he urged them to give up sinful practices in their life. And Sam's messages were extremely effective. And many people promised to quit uh, swearing and, uh, and drinking and smoking and lying and gossiping and anything else that was displeasing to God. Well, on one occasion, Jones asked a woman who was there, just was it, what is it that you are quitting? And the woman replied, I'm guilty of not doing something. She said, and I'm going to quit doing that as well. And essentially what she was saying is, I don't have anything that's like a sinful lifestyle, but I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything for the kingdom of God. Church, we've got to quit doing nothing. You know what I mean? Like we've got to stop just standing there. It's time for us to be people of action and do something. It's time for us to do something for the body of Christ. And so perhaps for you today, if you're a Christ follower in here, perhaps your most obvious spiritual issue is not a habitual sin, but it's just apathy. Man, it's time to move from a place of apathy to a place of action. Move from a place of apathy to a place of action. The third thing and final thing, is turn your faith into works. Turn over to James 2, verses 14 to 16. James continues in this theme of of doing something, and he he says this, he writes this in verses 14, 15, and 16. In chapter 2, he says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? He's asking a rhetorical question here. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly cloaked That means clothed, or clothed, I said cloaked, I meant clothed, and lacking in daily food. And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also, he says in verse 17, faith by itself, also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. He's not talking about the fact that our faith is dead or our salvation doesn't exist. He is simply talking about the fact that if we have this to give, if we have this love and mercy and justice that God imparted to us, why then shouldn't we exercise that by doing things and serving others? That is a demonstration of the faith that exists within us if we believe, if we have that faith. Two words there to uh, just kind of give definition to faith. It's, it's pretty easy. When he says that word faith, it literally means to trust or believe in or to have confidence in something. And so he says the thing that you believe in or trust in or have confidence in isn't good enough, not for salvation, that's not what he's saying, but he says it's not good enough if it's not combined with works. The word work that he used there in the original language, get this, please don't miss this, this is amazing. It literally means a legal obligation. He used a legal word there to impress upon you and I the, the, um, overwhelming obligation that we have as Christ followers to serve Christ in his kingdom. Can you tell I'm passionate about this? This is something that gets me fired up. I think it's probably because I saw growing up churches that just stood there and they never did anything. And I don't want us to be like that church. I don't want us to be like that. I want us to be a church where we give back where we respond. Ron Blue and John Wolverood, these guys are both theologians, um, wrote this about this whole idea of faith. He says this, faith and works. He says, just as the law of love gives no excuse for the respect of person, so the possession of faith gives no license to dispense with good works. He says a believer must not only demonstrate his love by ready acceptance of others, but he must also demonstrate his faith by responsible aid to others. And he says that James in this book went on in his letter to emphasize the expression of true faith and to outline evidences for true faith and to finally cite examples of true faith. And I want to encourage you. It's an easy, quick book to read. Uh, Man, maybe this can be part of your devotional life this week. I want to encourage you on that. Essentially what James is saying is is that our faith should just naturally be on display, not for us to boast about, not for us to brag about, but for us to demonstrate to God and to the world that this faith means something to us. And so the third point today is turn your faith into works. Turn your faith into works. We have an obligation to go from a place of hearing to a place of doing, from a place of apathy to action, and from a place of having this faith to putting it into action. If we are true Christ followers, if we are Christ followers that want to make a difference in the world. You see, God has done his part. He's done the saving work of sending his son Jesus to die on the cross so that if we uh, believe in him, if we put our trust in him, the Bible says he will forgive us of all of our sins. And, and heaven is, is our prize. He's done his work. I think your church, for the first time in the life of this church, has done the best job that it can in terms of giving you all the tools necessary. So what I'm saying is now it's up to you. It's up to you. And I realize there's two types of people here today. There's those of you who are already, your faith is already in action. You're already a doer. You already have action. Be encouraged by today. Let this galvanize that. If you're here today and you're not involved in what's going on in the life of your church, whether you like attend here or go somewhere else in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, it doesn't matter. Get involved. Dive in. Find out where your place is. And get busy. Now it's up to you. And that's the bottom line today. Your shape shows you where God intends you to serve. Now it's up to you to get busy. And here's your action. Here's your action. You have found your shape. Now that you've found your shape, put it into use. Now that you have found your shape, put it into use. There's a point where you say, you know what? I have all this. I have to share it. I have all this, I have to give it away because your shape, your unique design, the way God's designed you, if you know it and you keep it, it's a complete waste of time. It reminds me of Abraham Lincoln in the early years of the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln became so angered at the inactivity of the Union commander, George McClellan, that the president wrote his commanding general this one-sentence letter. If you don't want to use the army, I should like to borrow it for a while. Don't you love that? That's awesome, isn't it? You know, I, I know that God doesn't like sin. He doesn't like us to fall into habitual sin. But I, and I know that God's view of sin is it's just sin. It's black and white. It's binary. It is or it's not. But I wonder if just he's a little more bothered when he sees Christ followers who don't take the love and the mercy and the justice that God has imparted into us and to use it for his glory. If you're not motivated by anything at all, be motivated by the fact that you have been given this fantastic gift, not just the gift of your shape, but you've been given a fantastic gift in the salvation that you have. Why wouldn't you want to pass that love on to someone else? I want you to hear the testimony of someone in our church who understands his shape and he understands his role in sharing the love of Jesus. Check out the screens this morning.
1: shape here at Hilton Head Island Community Church by serving the youth um, middle school high school and sometimes ignite because it's just it's just a passion it's just something in my heart something that I like doing you know just whether it be making them laugh whether it be just giving them a hard time something I really enjoy reason I work with students is because um, growing up I didn't really have a I could say a childhood so it's it's more of a passion for me it's not something that I just do on the weekends it's not something to do to pass time it's um something I really look forward to every week and like every Sunday that's something that cancels out everything any plan you know something I just really love doing so Shape is important because it's 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 what we're called to do. It's kind of like what God wants us to do. Like there there's something that we have to do. There's a purpose that we have to fill, fulfill. And if we're not, if we don't know what our shape is, we're really not doing it, you know. And it's 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 not about how much you know about the Bible or, you know, how much you serve. It's just it doesn't feel like serving when you're doing it out of love. And, you know, if you're scared of serving, if you feel like, oh, well, I'm not qualified. You know, I love kids or, you know, I, I love greeting people, but I'm just scared. You know, there, there's no fear in love. So, you know, it's just like the Bible tells us that God didn't give us a spirit of, of fear, but a spirit of power. And if you're a middle school or high school student, I'd encourage you to just just come out and hang out with us. just, Just give us a chance.
0: what he said there. It's our purpose. It's our purpose. He talked about obligation without saying the word. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Listen, we've all been given this gift of salvation, those of you who are Christ followers. We've all been given our unique shape. Now it's just time to use it. When we were living in New York, uh, one night after church, uh, we had church on Sunday nights, and uh, one night after church, uh, I was walking to a restaurant to meet some of our life group leaders to uh, talk to them just about their life groups and how it was going. And I looked across the street about two blocks down, and there was a building on fire. It was nighttime, so you could see it. It was getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And there, there weren't any fire engines there yet. And all of a sudden, all these fire engines and police kind of converged on this building. And I, I had never seen this before before. But they they went into action immediately. As soon as they got there, they grabbed the hoses, they hooked it up to the fire hydrants, and they got busy putting that fire out. And I had a thought go through my mind recently when I was preparing for this message. Um, What if all those fire trucks showed up, all the police showed up, all those first responders showed up, they got their hoses out, they connected it to to the the, uh, fire hydrant, and, and they just stood there doing nothing. The building would burn down. People's lives would be lost. Listen, that's where we are. It's where we are as a culture. It's where we are as a country. It's where we are as a region. It's where we are as a county. Nine percent churched. And you can play a part in that. You can play a small part in that by getting to action, by opening up the nozzle. And putting that fire out and becoming a part of what God is doing in this community. Find your shape. Tap into the love and the mercy and the justice that God gave you. And lets you and I get busy in serving and growing together. Father God, thank you so much for this time this morning. God, I pray that you would um, just really challenge us. That your Holy Spirit right now would just work on us. And God, as Daniel said in the video, that you would take any fear that we have and help us overcome that fear. God, that you would take any challenge that's in between us and serving you and serving your bride, this church. God, and that you would remove that challenge. God, I pray that you would take any kind of apathy or passivity or laziness away. God, and that you would allow us to to just flourish in our faith and demonstrate that to you in the world by the service that we have for you, by the action that we take for you. God, help us as a church to all find our shape and to come around that and to use that to benefit the body of Christ, to give you glory, and also to reach the world in our community, God. May we be just a huge group of Christ followers who are serious about our mission to reach people for Christ, to passionately share your message and to lead people to follow you. God, help us to do that based on what you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.